Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive. Goodman Hurdle. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Bruce Hurdle at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Time now for the lead. The lead presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Nathaniel Hackett says he's been working with Russell Wilson to take the easy pass instead of holding the ball too long for the deep pass, which is something, for being completely honest, Wilson prefers, and he's done that his whole career. Aaron Rodgers, cut out of the same cloth, same mentality, always wanted the deep ball. But when Matt LaFleur took over, Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator, Rodgers finally bought in. No. Finally bought in. How did it work out for him? It worked out really well. And as the story goes, in uh, LaFleur's first season on the job, it was the third game of the season. And... Rodgers held on to the ball. He had a guy 12 yards downfield for an easy first down. And Rodgers went for the home run. And LaFleur went sprinting down the sideline and got into Rodgers' face and basically said, what in the hell are you doing? Right. And then Rodgers went back at LaFleur. And a lot of people in Green Bay thought. I remember that. A lot of people thought this is going to blow up and this is where it goes sideways. And basically what LaFleur said, there's we don't have to have an 80-yard drive in one play. We could do it in 10-yard chunks, 12-yard chunks. There's nothing wrong with a 10-play, 80-yard drive. And Rodgers did buy in. Peter King was at practice mm-hmm. last week. This is what he wrote. He said, Wilson's got to accept all principles of the West Coast offense, including selling the play action, getting the ball out to open receivers, not trying to wait, wait, wait for the big plays. Hackett told me he is working on cutting down those and forcing Wilson to take earlier options. He said, quote, it's got to the point that I go, hey, you're late. Or Russ says it before I have to say anything to him. Or he talks about it because he knows that that is the standard I want. I don't want him to be touched. I don't want him to run around. Now, sometimes you have to, but those are the ones I can't control. The more that he feels that, the more that he feels that and understands that, the better it is going to be. Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett look like two guys who are working in tandem. No now. question. They are not player coach. They are two guys working on a game plan together. And if Wilson buys in, I'm not suggesting it's going to be an MVP season. I am not suggesting that he will necessarily have the best year of his career. But what I can tell you is a matter of fact, once Rodgers bought in at his age, now think about this for a second, he had the best two-year stretch of his career overall. And those are the last two seasons, and those are MVP seasons. There is a catchphrase that seems almost cliched, but it's really, really true in the NFL. It's sometimes hard to get and to realize because sometimes it just sounds like verbiage. Take what the defense gives you. I'll give you another one. Don't turn down a profit. Bingo. Now, granted, if it's third and 13 well, okay. and you have a six-yard pass in front of you no, and, I get it, and it looks like the guy is going to be tackled, no, you have to turn down that profit. Right. 
it, it, it is it is situational. But when you have receivers moving all over the field and you can get a guy like Jerry Judy, for instance, and this is where Jerry Judy either is going to sink or swim this year, yards after the catch. Right. This is a guy with tremendous straight line speed, great lateral speed and awareness. Why can't you get the ball to him eight yards down the field and let him and let him go instead of always looking for the big cut? Now, look, he hit him yesterday for a long one down the sideline. When you get man-to-man with Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy, I'll take my chances too. I'll take my chances down the field, and I get it. But more times than not, trying to get quarterbacks to just take what the defense really gives them and to right. believe in it. Right. That's the hard thing because these guys are all type AAA personalities and they've been successful and they've won championships. Who are who is anyone to tell them how to do it? But sometimes there's different ways to skin the cat. Right. And when you look at Russell Wilson's career, a guy that has always wanted the deep ball, okay, has always wanted the deep ball. With all due respect to Russell Wilson, he is not the same guy as Aaron Rodgers. No. And this is what I mean. For And this is what is so impressive about Aaron Rodgers. For as much as he likes the deep ball, outside of Patrick Mahomes, I believe he has the best touchdown interception ratio in NFL history. Mm-hmm. It's over four to one, nearly five to one. I mean, you look at Aaron Rodgers' career, there are lots of seasons, four picks, six picks, three picks, two picks. Seven picks. They're all pretty much single digits. But for Russell Wilson, his touchdown interception ratio has also been very good, at least averaging, you know, looking at it right here, it is roughly three to one. Mm -hmm. Now, another person who knows Wilson well said the collaboration between Wilson and Hackett is different than what he experienced in Seattle. Pete Carroll wanted to run the ball. Well, you know what? He has two quarterbacks where he should be able to run the ball a lot because he has two quarterbacks, quite frankly, that aren't very good passers in Geno Smith and Drew Locke. With that, this is what this guy said. Coach and Russell are not coach player. They are partners. They seem to be having a good time. Hackett, a Star Wars freak who likes to keep the atmosphere very light, and Wilson were debating naming audible calls after Star Wars characters one day last week. Why do you think so many coaches are not willing to collaborate, like a Mike McCoy, offensive coordinator, former head coach, Pat Shermer, offensive coordinator, former head coach. It Does it have to do with who the quarterback is, or they just want to run their own thing? I think the latter. I think that you get guys that are so dyed in the wool, and they are so used to doing things the way that they've done them, and damn it, it's worked before. They don't want to change. And, absolutely. And if it means sometimes taking that square peg and fitting it in a round hole, well, they'll do, give me something to whittle it with. Right. Uh, You know, I'm going to get it in there one way or the other. Why in the world wouldn't you collaborate with your quarterback? There is, we've talked about this before, no position in all of sports as fundamentally important to your degree of success than the guy playing that position. Why would you want to dictate? Why would you want to make the relationship 
strained or sometimes adversarial. Well, that's what happened with Stefanski and Baker Mayfield exactly. in Cleveland. But but Baker Mayfield honestly didn't necessarily have the resume. But if we're being completely honest, what kind of resume did Joe Burrow truly have with Zach Taylor? And that leads me to this. Let's look at Sean McVay, Super Bowl champion Rams. Matt LaFleur with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, you have Kingsbury with the Cardinals, who's his quarterback. A guy who doesn't study a lot, right. but Kyler Murray's still pretty talented. Pretty good. Zach Taylor with the Bengals. He has Joe Burrow, right? And then you have Brandon Staley, who is with the Chargers, and he has a pretty good quarterback as well. Is this, when you look at their success, and not Staley yet, but the Chargers are going to have plenty of success. They are. When you look at their setups, you can make the case. could be a lazy argument, though. Well, look, see these young coaches. You really know what they're doing. But isn't it also fair to say, look at their quarterbacks? Yeah, to some degree. Is Tua going to be better with Mike McDaniel in Miami? He is. Uh, no question, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, wait, wait, wait. I think, I think he's going to be better. Wait, oh, okay. I mean, they're not going to go with Skylar Thompson. He's also so. He is also going to be better with Tyreek Hill. Okay. And he's also going to be better with the other wide receiver that they have. What is it? Is it Jalen Waddle? Who's no Jalen Waddle. Yeah, Jalen Waddle. Yeah. So they have two pretty good They do. Now Mike McDaniel is a is a terrific offensive mind. Mm-hmm. You can make the case he should have been a head coach years ago, but he had some personal demons that he had to get through and apparently he has. Yeah. But at I, the end of the day, all these young coaches do have terrific quarterbacks, and now you have Nathaniel Hackett, who has a future Hall of Famer. I love the relatability. Yep, and and you and I are out there every single day. Yep. If you can't see that between Nathaniel Hackett and Russ, right. you're blind. Right. I, I it, it is the one thing that jumps off the field every single day is how they collaborate. And in Nathaniel Hackett makes no apologies for it. He's all about it. He wants to foster that. When he's on the podium talking to us, he's always talking about it. The conversations that he has with Russ. What are you thinking about there? Here's what I'm thinking. It's a meeting of the minds. Here's something else to consider. And I, and I set it up earlier saying it could be lazy analysis saying, look at these young coaches who have these older, who have these great quarterbacks or at least talented quarterbacks. Here's my argument against that argument. Aaron Rodgers is coming off the two best seasons of his career because he decided, okay, I will listen to Matt LaFleur. Of course. Every now and then, new ideas, and I'm saying this a little tongue-in-cheek, are a good thing to think about. Right. It's not about reinventing the wheel. It's making the wheel less squeaky. That's what you're looking for. You don't want to reinvent Russell Wilson. You're bringing in the package that you've understood about Russell Wilson for 10 years, the excellence that he brings to the position. Right. But now... What are the measures of tweaking and the relationship and the trust and the developing of that trust? How can that move him forward? And how can it move this franchise forward as well? You'll, you'll find out with me doing shows that I, I am big on analogies. So this is my analogy on a potential situation with Russell Wilson. Certainly with uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers with the Green Bay Packers. I mean, he's a piece of garbage as a person. I'm sorry. And a lot of his team, his teammates don't love him. They fear him. They yeah. respect him, too. Sure. Yeah. But they fear him. With that, Aaron Rodgers, possibly like Russell Wilson, is a beautiful deck. Gorgeous deck. Best-looking deck 
in the neighborhood. Perfectly sanded. Perfectly Never sanded. splinters. And you know what Matt LaFleur did? He had some lacquer to it. He mm-hmm. had some finishing stuff to nice. it. As you can tell, I'm very handy. I don't even know the right terminology. But it was finished off well. Does that make sense? Yes. With a nice coat. I'm, I'm still processing lacquer. But that's you don't good. Use, you don't yeah, use would, lacquer, yeah. do you, on that? I don't. I don't. Well, what would you use to finish it? Oh, that's a good question. Polyurethane. Poly- okay. So Matt LaFleur was the polyurethane. Nice. To, very poetic. To Aaron Rodgers' deck. And yes, I said deck. I'm using the word E as my, as my vowel, not another vowel. Mm. Coming up after the break, Nathaniel Hackett. Well, he certainly put some blame on himself for the running game, and that is totally good. But should we be worried moving forward with it takes time to learn the zone blocking scheme, or should we say, you know what? Are teams really going to stack the box like they did in the first preseason game against Russell Wilson? Is it really going to be that big of a problem? Because who's going to stack the box against Russell Wilson? That's next. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, mileisports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman, if you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Eurosport. Go for a test drive today in Denver or Parker because everyone deserves a luxury car buying experience. Or find them online at rmeurosport.com. I hesitate to say that I am all in on Nathaniel Hackett. Because once you go into that room, there's no walking it back, right? Yeah. But I said early on about George Payton, I'm all in. Oh, well, that MVP. I, but I was really early on that. I'm not saying I was the first, and that's, not, and that's not my point. But you see enough of a guy, and you're like, this guy's the real deal. Some people want to hold back, and I understand that. I am getting to the point that I am all in on Nathaniel Hackett. Mm-hmm. Because of the way he talks to his players, the way he talks about collaborating, the way his players love him, the way they love how he approaches camp, and so on and so forth. We'll see what the results. A reason to be all in on Nathaniel Hackett, the team looked prepared in a preseason mm-hmm. game. As opposed to the guy on the other sideline, Mike McCarthy, who's been around forever, and he looks totally disheveled as a human being, and his team resembles the unmade bed that he is. Do you know something that I really struck me uh, Thursday and Saturday in the work with the Cowboys? This is a 12-win team from a year ago. 12 wins. Right. Now, the Broncos pounded them in Dallas, but the Broncos were a 7-win team. I'm not mistaking the Cowboys for the Broncos. The, the, the Cowboys earned their chops. But... Those twos on Saturday yeah. 
were deeper, were better, pushed the Dallas twos and threes around. Yep. You know what? And I'm sitting there thinking, George Payton has been there for two drafts now. Yep. And look at the number of guys that are on that on this roster, or guys that we think are going to be on the roster this year from his most recent draft. Look at the depth that he has built in two, not even two full years, in two short drafts that is now manifesting itself and showing itself out for the Denver Broncos. It's unreal. Well, think about this for a second. We have an injury to Jonas Griffin. What do they have? A former leading tackler with the Browns, mm-hmm. a former leading tackler with the Eagles. Eagles. Okay. So with that, and, and this is another step in the direction in which I'm saying I'm getting very close to saying I'm all in with Nathaniel Hackett. He put a lot of blame on himself for the lack of the running game against the Cowboys, uh, essentially saying that Dallas was trying to stop the run, and he should have done a better job of calling more pass plays. What do most coaches say? We need to do a better job of coaching. They're very generic. He has enough self-awareness to be specific and say, this is the area where I messed up. Instead of painting it with a broad stroke, he was specific. So it gives you the feeling he knows what he did wrong. He knows how he could have helped his players be better and could have executed better. I think that when a lot of coaches lose games, they will say, we need to to do a better job of coaching. We're probably half the time. They are so pissed off at their players' execution they're saying it as a throwaway line. They don't even believe it, but they know they have to say it. It starts with Nathaniel Hackett in Nathaniel Hackett's brain. It, it, he, he's not a guy that points fingers. He made those remarks, by the way, unsolicited. Right. They were not even preemptive. They just were, that's his stream of thought. Right. I sucked doing this. Right. I need to be better doing this. This is, this is him doing his washing as he's doing a press conference. I mean, it was refreshing. Not heard that before in quite that way. You hear guys take blame and and things of that nature. It's more gratuitous than anything else, let's face it. And that's your point, and I agree with it. Yes, it was very refreshing because you could tell it was vexing him. It was like, darn it, why didn't we do better? Why didn't I do better with this? Why didn't we do better? And he's already thinking about cause and effect. What do I have to do to fix that? And I will guarantee you, am I going to guarantee you? I think I'm going to. They're going to run the ball better in Buffalo. Now, you can't run it much worse, but they're going to run the ball better because they are. You're right. Well, they can't do it much worse. Nine yards, you're right. Right. And so I get that and touche. But my point is that it will be a point of emphasis. It's going to be more of a point of emphasis to, okay, we got to shine this part of the game up a little bit, and we've got to come out of it with some confidence. You know what? I'm going to respectfully disagree on Fair this enough. point. If Buffalo stacks the box... They won't. If they do... Why would they? Uh, Why? Because uh, you're going to look at Josh Johnson. Because you're not trying to win games. No, no, I, I understand. You're, you're trying to work... A, 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 no, I get that, but but I'm saying let's just call this a regular season. All right. Just for the sake of argument. Well, okay, well, then the argument's different. The coach who says... We need to do a better job of coaching is also the guy who will say, we're going to keep doing this over and over and over again until it works, even if the box is stacked. 
we're going to keep doing because we have to prove to ourselves and my system works and we will find a way to run the ball. Again, doing the same thing over and over again is the definition of mm. insanity. insanity. Right. Okay, So when you look at Nathaniel Hackett, he is saying, I'm going to take what the defense gives me. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not going to force it. I know we can run the ball, but we need to run the ball in situations where it makes sense. What I think he was saying following the Dallas game was, I wanted to be able to run the ball. Um, and I, and I felt that even though the way they were lined up on defense wasn't advantageous for us to run the ball, I still wanted to do it. So I was being a little bit stubborn. I think what he's saying is I'm not going to be so stubborn moving forward. Mm -hmm. Unlike older coaches who will remain stubborn until it works. And that's where you put your team in a situation where they're going to have a difficult time winning games. I think it's going to be very difficult for teams to stack the box and to put eight in the box against the Broncos. You mean they're starters? Yes. Uh, Russell then, Wilson. Right. Because what I'm saying then is then you are allowing basically man-to-man coverage. And I don't like I don't like my odds defensively against a Russell Wilson, a Cortland Sutton, and even though he's got to show it out, a Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy, to me, is a very interesting piece of the puzzle here. He is a guy that can pay huge dividends okay. in you, this offense. You and I have he not can be. You and I have not talked about this, right. so I'm going to put you on the record with this because I have said this. Jerry Judy, physical freak, right? Total. Great talent. Unreal. Are you a little worried about yes. him from the yes. neck up? I am. Because, because because he has shown enough examples of not finishing plays, there of stopping, of uh, of doing things that are not conducive for the offense to get better. And when I say the neck up, I'm not suggesting this guy isn't. Smart. Oh no no no, we're not saying that at all. I am I am suggesting the same thing that you are suggesting, giving up on plays. Yeah. Does this guy really okay? One big loss with not having Tim Patrick on the field is not only do you have a willing blocker, oh. you have a really good blocker yeah. on the field. Forget about pass catching. Does Jerry Judy strike you as the type of guy? Jerry Judy's not a glue guy. Tim Patrick's a no. Glue I'm talking guy. about a guy who's yeah. willing to block. No, I mean not yet. But I, I but it, and it'll be interesting to see because those are big things. Receivers have got to be able to block downfield. Um, so it's incumbent upon him to learn. Now, the thing that's interesting is that Russ talks a lot about how attentive Jerry Judy is in meetings, the time that he spends in the quarterback room, right. trying to understand what they're doing and things of that nature. He has a solid curiosity. But, man, it's got to be every play. Jerry Judy can be a difference maker. I don't even know if he knows how much of a difference maker he can be if he just shows up and goes hard every single time out. We have heard the phrase juice a lot this year. Yeah, a lot of juice. Yeah. Right. The last time I heard the word juice this much is when Elway was running the show and he said, we have a draft of guys with juice. And I got to tell you, that was one of the worst drafts in 
franchise history. Mm-hmm. That was the Garrett Bowles draft. Now, Garrett Bowles has come out on the other yeah, side. He's turned out but okay. But when you look essentially at the rest of the guys in that draft, it was uh, an absolute bust. Yeah. Those guys who had juice were fast and athletic, and they didn't know how to play football. Yeah. That was the problem. So now we're hearing juice again. Billy Turner was asked about the different vibe that he is feeling now as opposed to when he was with the team in 2018. And, of course, he came out and said, well, there's a lot of juice. But I like where he got specific. And this is all about the combination of Hackett and Russell Wilson. He said, guys are getting excited for each other watching film and watching guys win reps against Dallas. The young energy that exists on this team is like nothing that I've been around. That's a really strong statement. Again, with Hackett being self-aware and not just saying, I need to do a better job of coaching, he was specific. But we keep hearing juice. I like that Billy Turner was specific because he gave us examples of guys are getting excited for each other watching film. Yeah, That's a big deal. Guys, do maybe an extra rep in the weight room, so on and so forth. I think this team is a combination of the personalities of Hackett breathes oxygen into the room. Wilson breathes oxygen into the room. I mean, the question was, what's going to happen when Nathaniel Hackett has a three-game losing streak? Is he going to be Mr. Nice Guy? I can tell you right now, Russell Wilson has won more games than any quarterback over a 10-year stretch. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm sure... He has gone through some times in Seattle where they weren't so good. But I have a feeling that Russell Wilson remained positive. He wasn't positive in terms of how he felt about Pete Carroll and the way the offense was running. He wasn't happy there. But now he has a kindred spirit, talking about Wilson, with Nathaniel Hackett. And it is infectious. It is absolutely infectious. That enthusiasm that has been brought in this building and guys want to play for each other. That's what winning teams need to have. There are cynics that don't see that, and it's that's about, an intangible. It, it's an intangible. Do you remember? Do you remember the the old NFL today? Yes, with Irv Cross and Brent Musburger and Phyllis George and Jimmy the Greek. God bless that racist. Point is, Jimmy the Greek used to have big totals for every single game. Who's better in the run game? Who's better in the pass game? Who's better in this? Who's better? And then at the very bottom, there's a check mark. That's right. Intangible. Yep. And the Broncos have it. I agree. They have those intangibles. I agree. And I think that, and you're right on target. Those two guys have been, it's been an injection of enthusiasm, energy, expectations. Um, When you're talking about veterans coming in like Billy Turner, who's been in a lot of uh, locker rooms, uh, and he's talking about, never seeing the kind of energy from the youth that they have on this football team. He's never seen it before. Yeah. That's pretty remarkable. I'm going to give a piece of advice to our young producers on the show here, which ties into what we are talking about. So Zach and Alex, you're looking at two old guys with Bruce and I, we have our wisdom with being in this business. There's a lot there. doesn't mean we're smart. There are two types of jobs in this world. There are get-to jobs and go-to jobs. From 2016 to 2021, almost every guy in that Broncos roster had what is referred to as a go-to job. 
I have to go to work. Mm-hmm. Good way. These Broncos, they have get to jobs. I get to go to work. So for everyone out there who's listening, you want a get to job. You don't want a go to job. And finally, with Hackett and Wilson, they've made it fun. Guys are cheering for each other when they're watching film. It is a get to job. They get to go to Dove Valley today. They get to go to the stadium. They get to go play a game. Whereas before, I got to go do this. I got to go do this. And you knew the season wasn't going to be very good. Coming up after the break, the Houston Astros, a team famous for cheating. No one will ever forgive them. But wait to hear what they just recently did. You're not going to forget what they did, but you might feel a little bit better about them. That's next. And they couldn't find them. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. So I did afternoon drive on Mile High Sports for 10 years, and it just dawned on me why the new lineup makes a lot of sense. Okay. Okay. You and I are two older guys. We're usually up two, three times a night going to the bathroom. <laughs> Our prostate is, you know, forcing us to do that. We're up early anyway, right? We're yeah, up early. Very. And then you have Anilo and Cody, a couple of young guys staying up way too late like we used to do. They'll learn. You know, ordering pizzas, sure. doing whatever they do that's, mm-hmm. you know, legal now in Colorado. Right. Whatever they do. Sure. But it makes sense for us to be in the mornings because we're up this early. You... You remember your grandfather in the morning? He was yeah. always up at like five o'clock in the morning, drinking a little bit of Metamucil, going for his morning walk. I'm not quite at that point yet, but it makes sense for us to be up in the morning, uh, right? But we're not two old guys with no energy. Oh, no. We have a little bit of energy no. to us. Now, I can yell, get off my lawn as well as anybody. Are you a get off my lawn guy? No, not at all. Actually, I... Because I, you don't have a lawn. No. You live in a condo. I love the kids. I love the kids. Oh, uh, yeah. I want to know all what the kids are thinking about these days. That's all big for me. Hold on. Let me get my tongue out of my cheek. Time now for the final word. <laughs> What's Trending? Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda. Or find them at sdhmazda.com. So the Houston Astros gifted 3,000 tickets to uh, Sunday's game, last Sunday's game. The family and friends of the victim of the shooting in Uvalde, Texas. The team also reportedly held fundraising efforts throughout the day with proceeds going back to the community. Adding to the story, a young girl from Uvalde reportedly asked Alex Bregman to hit a home run for her town. And amazingly, he did. I know the Astros were busted for cheating in the playoffs. Some of the players are still there. Dusty Baker, he wasn't there for that. Well, no one is ever going to forgive the organization for the cheating. Does this now, years later, make it an organization you might want to root for a little bit? No. I, I mean, I think it's always great. That was a get-off-my-lawn comment. Well, sorry. I think, no, 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 look. 
I cheer for people being good to one another. Right. I, 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 I actually I, I don't. I do. I do. I cheer for people lifting others up in times of need. I think it's wonderful. It it it's the best of us, and it's a wonderful trait to have. I wish that we could have it more. I also wish that you know we could feel like it's Christmas every single day of the year. Not for you with right. your Chinese food and and your movies, but you know for for most. A lot should, of I other be, should I be? Is that the first Jewish crack roll no, two two days? No, ago? no, you're the one that pointed it out yesterday. That is not necessary. Well done, Alex. Uh, okay, Alex. No, look, it's wonderful, and um, and I think it's great. You can't change what happened for the Astros right. and the advantage that they took of it. Right. It changed. For the Dodgers and others, it changed the face of a season, of a destiny, uh, all of those things. I'll tell you one thing that I, there are a lot of things that make sports great. A lot of them. I'll give you one, but then I'll give you my, my biggest okay. reason why. Number one, we can agree sports is entertainment, right? Yes. Okay. Right. Sports is the only, only, singular, only form of entertainment in which you don't know the ending. Right. That's number one. Okay. Number two, and I'm not trying to insult anybody by saying this, and it might be a bit extreme, but maybe not. You can go into a bar, and it's the Super Bowl. Okay. Let's say it's Broncos are playing in the Super Bowl, and you're standing in a bar, and it makes your stomach turn. You are wearing a MAGA hat, and somebody standing right next to you is wearing a pro-choice hat. And standing next to each other, your stomachs are turning because you're looking at the other person and they're looking at you and you don't like each other. But if Brandon McManus hits a game-winning field goal as time expires, I'd bet the house against a cup of coffee, both of you would be jumping up together, high-fiving, and hugging each other. Absolutely. That's what makes sports great. It, it, no question about it. And, and there's truth in that. I agree. I like the organic side of sports and what you, we live in a culture now where nobody seems to trust one another. We can't sit at the same table and discuss things, um, in a in a civilized fashion we can't we can't agree to disagree if you don't think the way that i think you suck i don't which is all ridiculous which course. which is basically saying you have a right to your opinion as long as you agree with mine exactly and and you know this is kind of the world that we live in right now and it's a and it's a shame but i will say this the organic moments of kindness and sportsmanship which might seem somewhat Pollyannish or contrived to some, but that come out of a real place of caring for one another. When uh, a player goes down and uh, an opponent goes down hitting a home run in a game and has to be helped around the bases. We've seen the video. Right. Uh, you know, a guy can't finish a, a marathon, but darn it, the two guys following and pick him up and they drag. Right. I mean, that's, it seems silly, Maybe on first inspection, but it's wonderful. It's yeah. wonderful, and that's the kind of organic things in sports I love. Well said.
What do we have coming up on Just In Case You Missed It? Carmelo Anthony has a docu-series coming out. We'll give you all the details on that. And Tiger Woods is scheduled to meet with several of the top golfers in the world today. That's coming up next on Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle on Mile High Sports. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, mylifesports.com. You can reach us, Rocky Mont Forest Products Twitter feed, at Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. Or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. Just in case you missed it, Carmelo Anthony has teamed with Westbrook Studios and Falcon Entertainment on Seven, which is a four-part docu-series which Anthony's company, Creative Seven, will produce. It's named after Anthony's signature jersey. Seven will chronicle the life and career of the 10-time NBA All-Star and entrepreneur from his childhood to the man he is now. How interested are you in this Carmelo Anthony docuseries? Four parts. Four parts. Four parts. Give me 10 minutes. Probably, I'd say. I mean, I, I'm not. I mean, look, and that I'm not a Carmelo hater. He just doesn't rise to that level of curiosity for me. Well, because he was here, I would watch the thing start to finish. Okay, I know enough about Carmelo Anthony because I covered him starting in 2004. He grew up in a rough area, I believe, in Baltimore. He did not have the easiest upbringing. His career is self-inflicted, and the one story that I can tell you is is that Jeff Bizdelic, when he was the head coach, walked up to Carmelo Anthony and said, Carmelo, we need you to play some defense, to which he responded, I didn't play any defense at Syracuse, and we won a championship, and I don't need to play any defense here. He underachieved for the type of talent that he had. He should have been better at passing. He was a freak athlete for his size. He should have been a better passer, should have been a better rebounder, should have made more effort playing defense. He is very much a Robin, not a Batman. He does not have the leadership DNA in him. He was a world, worldly talent. At one point in his career, he was easily one of the top three hardest guys to guard Mm. in the NBA. However, the reason why he hasn't won championships is because of him. Just in case you missed it, Tiger Woods is scheduled to meet with several of the top golfers in the world today in an effort to rally support around the PGA Tour in its ongoing battle with the rival Live Golf Series. The meeting will include many of the top 20 players in the world and a handful of other influential PGA Tour members who haven't defected yet to Live Golf. Uh, Do you think Tiger can help get the top 20 players in the world on the same page? Yes. 
Is there a more influential voice in all of golf than Tiger Woods, even now, with his talent? Not talent, but with his star waning a little bit? No question. He's still the loudest, the largest, and the most followed voice in all of golf. One of the most followed in all of sports. I think that when Tiger speaks, people will listen. I think it'll make a big difference. There was a time in Jack Nicholas's career, and there was, a, or uh, let me say this. There was a time in Tiger Woods's career when he wasn't a very well-liked guy exactly. on tour. But now he's become the elder statesman of golf. The PGA Tour, it's not inaccurate to say it is a monopoly. And they don't pay their players enough, and they should. And that's one reason why the Live Tour started. But what I appreciate about Tiger Woods, despite everything that he has self-inflicted as well onto himself off the golf course, I love it when players, I love it when athletes have an appreciation and a knowledge of the history of the game. And that's why Tiger Woods is staying with the PGA Tour, despite being offered a reported 700 to $800 million to leave. He understands the importance of the game. He understands the history of the PGA Tour. And he's a loyal guy because of Jack Nicholas and Gary Player and Lee Trevino and Arnold Palmer. He knows he would not be standing where he is today if it wasn't for those guys. So he appreciates the work of the people who came before him. And Lee Elder, who I should Charlie not... Charlie Sippard and guys like that. I right. should not leave out. Exactly. So his loyalty to the history of the game is more important than money, although he has a lot of money. People will listen to him. He is the elder statesman now. He is now seen as a guy who has battled back, has shown resiliency. Guys will listen to him in the room. But a week later, if Live Tour comes up and says, we'll give you $70 million to join, no matter what Tiger says, the wall will speak louder than his words. Interesting. And that was Argonaut Wine and Liquor just in case you missed it. Westward voted it the best liquor store in Denver, five years running. Stop by on Colfax, order today, all deliveries, Denver metro area. You can get them anywhere, but any delivery over 100 bucks is free. Find them off of Colfax or go to ArgonautLiquor.com. Day two is in the books. Goodman, Hurdle, Seegers, Becker. We are the team in the morning drive. Great job today. I'll try and do better tomorrow. Make it the best possible night you can.